right. Good morning. My name is Derek, one of the pastors here. And uh, we, wow, everybody sat right. What, what is it about this section? That's, that's interesting. Um, or who is it over here that's caught? Oh, okay. Um, uh, so we, uh, we told you that this year, um, our theme is plan A, which is the idea that we are God's plan A to share the good news of Jesus and there is no plan B. And so with that in mind, we said each month we're going to give you an update on the previous month, an impact report. And so here's our report for February, um, just a few highlights of, of what we saw God do. Uh, and here's the first one. We went to two services for the purpose of creating space to reach more folks. And we saw an increase of 11% attendance just from one month to the next by going to two services. So for us, we look at that and go, oh, it was a good choice. Um, and, you know, there is some double counting. Some of you are like, man, the sermon's so good, I'm going to stay both. We don't count you in that. So um, we, we measure for that. Um, youth group has been doing really well. 53 average attendance each week and 11 visitors. Uh, I really like the 11 visitors number, you know. So you guys are cheering for all this stuff happening. Bring some more friends. Because uh, God is moving. God is working. Six baptisms. And we're going to have more this month, which is awesome. Uh, you know, we'd love to see that. And I love this number. This number is, is this crew right up here. We got the Carters. Um, the Carters went to Guinea and 356 lives directly impacted by them. Uh, they did things with uh, eyeglasses. And, um, and we're going to... Don't worry, you're going to get to hear more from them in two weeks. So, Zuzu, you're going to give like this big presentation, so be ready. Um, she's ready. Okay, yeah, two weeks, we get to hear more about what they did. But that's significant. You, you know, we were part of sending them, and they had an impact for the kingdom. Um, so, there you go. Thank you for being part of what God is doing. And, uh, oh, one other thing I'm going to forget. Later this year, we are sending another team to Thailand June 18th to June 29th, uh, mainly working with kids, I believe, um, and evangelism. It's, it's kind of cool, actually. They are pre-Christian, not post-Christian. I had some conversations with that missionary. And so the way they do it is, is different, right? Post here, tracks, door-to-door, doesn't work so well. It's kind of weird. There, it actually works because they've never heard of Jesus. They are pre-Christian. So anyway, neat experience. Um, if you want to be part of that, there's more info to come. There's going to be cards and things. Uh, but if you know now, I want more info, write it down on your Connect card and stick it in the box, and Ben will call you or just track Ben down and talk to him. All right, let's pray. God, thank you <clears throat> uh, for your word. Thank you that you have chosen to work through us um, God, you could work around us, but for some reason you've chosen not to work that way primarily. And so we, we thank you that you include us. We want to be faithful. Um, we, we love you. God, we want to see you glorified. In your name, amen. So in the, the high school I went to, we had, it seemed like we had a, some kind of a, a wall of fame everywhere. So the main hallway, you walk down, there was the number one athlete, boy and girl, each senior for like the last 40 years or whatever. And I, you could look up and like, oh, I remember him from... 25 years ago, right? And, and now he's all old. And of course, everybody's like, I want to get on that list. I didn't get on that one. So then there's the, the wrestling room. And in the wrestling room, there's the records on the wall. And it's like, all right, which one of those so I can get my name up there forever? I didn't get any of those. Um, and then there's the other wall with pictures of all those who had placed in state, like from forever. I'm like, oh, how about that one? I didn't get that one. And then there's the weight room, like lifting records. And I was really small, so I had no chance at those, except for maybe like dips. And I couldn't do that either. But, right, there's kind of these, these 
walls of fame of like, I want to be immortalized somewhere. And, and we have those all over the place, right? There's other sports. There's the Hall of Fame. Or maybe at your work, there's the Employee of the Month, right? You can get your, your picture up on the wall and maybe it'll last for a while. Um, and, and those things are all good and, and great, but they're temporary. Did you know there is a Hall of Fame in heaven? Uh, and if you're good enough, you can get, like, your face carved in marble in this hallway forever. Now, that's not actually in the Bible. Um, and that sounds a little bit self-serving. But we do have a list in Hebrews 11 called the Hall of Faith, right? And it's a list of people that, that God has chosen to give us as an example of people who, he said, basically, they have pleased me. And this is kind of important. Um, the point isn't our own fame, right? The point there is pleasing God. And that's, that's where I want to start this morning because we're, we're going to get into faith. Um, but the idea of, of faith on its own can be distracting. And we can go off if our number one desire isn't to please God. And so before we get into it, I want you just to think, like, is your greatest goal in life to please God. Jesus told a parable of these stewards. Uh, and two of them, he said, well done, good and faithful servant. Right? Do you live to hear those words? You know, I do. I remember being a kid and even, even older, just wanting dad to say, I'm, I'm proud of you. Right? And maybe some of you have that. And if God thought the way, Kayla's shaking her head. <laughs> well, anyway, um, I hope you want to make me proud. But, but even more, I hope we want to make God proud proud. We want to please him. And there's only one way to please God. And by the way, just so you know, it's not doing anything. It's faith. The only way to please God and bring glory to God is by acting in faith. Now the word acting is in there, but as we're going to see as we go through, it starts in the heart and leads to an action. Last week, uh, Paul started this series on heroes of the faith, and he looked at two characters, Abel and Enoch, and we know almost nothing about them except for that they pleased God, and they got on this list, and that they pleased God through their faith. Now, we don't get much of a list, or any list for Enoch, um, and Abel just that he made a sacrifice, but we don't know anything about it. We just know that they had faith that pleased God. And so that's our goal. Our goal is to please God by faith. And so now, let's look at the idea of faith. And we're going to be in Hebrews 11, First, well, and you can turn there. Hebrews 11, turn there and put a finger in that. Um, if you didn't bring a Bible, there's one in front of you. Uh, it's page 1,109 in that Bible. Um, but we're going to look at Hebrews. And what we're going to do is we're going to grab one character in this hall of faith. And then we're going to flip back and look at her story and then kind of come back and, and compare it all. So the character we're looking at is uh, verse 30. So Hebrews 11, verse 30 and 31. It says, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Rahab is who we're going to look at. And, and I picked her on purpose. She's kind of a lesser known figure. Um, and if, we're going to read her story. And they keep saying, calling her a prostitute. Like, just say it once. We get it. But for some reason, like, that's repeated over and over. I mean, this is a, a, a sinner. This is not somebody who is in, you know, like they did all these things, not a king, not a queen, not a prophet. This is a normal person who made this list. And so flip back to the Old Testament. We're going to be in the book of Joshua. I'm using two Bibles today. Make it easy. But Joshua chapter 1. So if you're in this Bible, it is 
page 198. So real quick, setting the scene, this is Rahab, right, and she's living in Jericho. The time period here is 40 years after the Israelites left Egypt. So they were enslaved in Egypt. Moses led them out. Uh, they disobeyed initially, and so they didn't get to enter the promised land yet. 40 years, they wandered in the wilderness. Everybody over the age of 20 died, except for the two faithful spies, Caleb and Joshua. Now that time has passed. Moses has died. And Joshua is going to lead Israel into the promised land. The land promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob 500 years before this. And that promise repeated. So that's kind of the scene. It's time for them to move in. So Joshua, uh, we're going to look at verse 1 through 3 real quick. It says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise. Go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised Moses. So again, this is a promise from God to Joshua and all the nation. When you go in, everywhere you step belongs to you. Now, we're going to look at Rahab, who is not an Israelite. She is an enemy. She lives in Jericho, right? So she's on the other side of this. So look with me at Joshua chapter 2, verse 1. And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies, saying, Go, view the land, especially Jericho. And they went, and they came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab, and lodged there. And it was told the king of Jericho, Behold, men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. Then the king of Jericho said, sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, True, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And when the gates were about to be closed at dark, the men went out. I don't know where they went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hid them with the stalks of flax she had laid in order on the roof. So the men pursued after them on the way to Jordan as far as the fords, and the gate was shut as soon as the pursuers had gone out. Before the men lay down, she came up to them on the roof, and she said to the men, this is important, I know that the Lord has given you the land, and that the fear of you has fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, you also will deal kindly with my father's house. And give me a sure sign. That you will save alive my father and mother and brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. And the men said to her, our life for yours, even to death, if you do not tell this business of ours. Then when the Lord gives us the land, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. So there's the situation. Flip over to, to Joshua 6 real quick. I want to show you how it ends. But there it is, right? They're spying out Jericho. This is the big city, great walls, the first city that had to come down before they moved into the rest uh, of the, the land that they were going to take. 
And so we're skipping a bunch of this, but they obeyed God. And by the way, even the walls coming down is in the hall of faith. They marched around. They didn't go knock them down. They marched around for seven days, and God knocked down the walls, and then they moved in. Uh, now Joshua 6, 22. But to the two men who had spied out the land, Joshua said, Go into the prostitute's house and bring out from there the woman and all who belonged to her as you swore to her. So the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and mother and brothers, all who belonged to her. And they brought all her relatives and put them outside the camp of Israel. And they burned the city with fire and everything in it. Only the silver and gold, the vessels of bronze and of iron, they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. But Rahab, the prostitute, and her father's household, and all who belonged to her, Joshua saved alive. And she has lived in Israel to this day, because she hid the messengers whom Joshua had sent to spy out Jericho. There's the story. There's Rahab, this normal person who has a, a significant impact here and finds herself in this hall of faith. So, she pleased God. Again, that's our point. She pleased God. How? Through faith. So what is faith? Turn back to Hebrews. Hebrews 11, 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. That's our definition of faith. And Paul got into this last week and did a great job. But we're going to look at three words in this definition that, that we need to understand. The first one is hope. Right? Now, now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. What does hope mean? For us, a lot of times we use hope as in wish. Right? I hope you have a good day. <laughs> right? I hope it doesn't snow too much. I hope we get so much snow it, it cancels school tomorrow. Right? right? These are our hopes. The word hope here and everywhere in the New Testament is always referring to God and something he has said. It's never a wish. It's always based on God and something substantial. We have hope that Jesus is going to return because he said he's going to, right? We have hope that, that somebody from every nation and tribe and tongue will be saved. He said that's going to happen, right? These are our hopes. I hope all things work out for good for those who love God. Well, he said that's going to happen. So the hope in Scripture is always based on something God has said. It's never a wish, right? So hope. And hope, right, the assurance. Faith is the assurance. What's that? Uh, the word assurance means to possess or, or under a legal standing. It's like a title of possession. So you have a car. You have the title. If you've paid it off, you get the title in the mail. The t it's mine. So that's what assurance is. Assurance is the hope is mine. Again, it's not a wish. So God says, right, all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved for eternity. It talks about new heaven. So I have this hope that when Jesus returns, I'm getting a new body, right, that, that I'm going to dwell forever with him, with, with all y'all who belong to him, and it's going to be great. I have that hope. And the assurance now for me is basically a title deed. I pull it, what's your future like? Well, here's my title, right? My faith is in God, and so I have eternity. It's, it's done. It's sealed. I can't lose it, right? So that's, that's the assurance. I'm confident in this. It's not like I believe in God, but you can believe in your way, right? Like, my way is here, and I hope it works, and maybe yours. Like, no, this is the only way, and I know it, and I, so I'm secure. I'm sure of it. And then conviction. This word is a little more difficult. It's only used, I think, twice in all the New Testament. And the word conviction means proof. 
proof. It, it, it's kind of weird. And interpreters see this in two ways. Um, so bear with me real quick. But it's either proof that it's true. Meaning, so here's the promise. God gives a promise, the, uh, the hope. And I'm sure of it. I have the title deed. And the proof that what God said is true is that I have faith. Meaning God does that. The Holy Spirit in you gives you the faith to believe this thing that you can't see the end yet. Right? Or others see this idea of proof of it's based on proof. It's based on evidence that it's true. And honestly, I think both can be true. And for sure, the second one is. Right? That there's faith in something, right, this proof that it's not just blind. Um, and the first example we see is verse 3. Uh, verse 3 says this, By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of the things that are visible. Right, so, so there, Paul did a great job last week of, of look at the earth and look at the world, and Romans 1 says, God's fingerprints are everywhere. You look at creation and go, there is a, a God. Right, and so there's, there's some proof, there's some reason there. And then we go deeper and go, okay, what is this God like? And we have to go to God's word. And then, here's the important though, faith bridges the gap between what we know and what we cannot see. Were you there at creation? Raise your hand, anybody? Who's the oldest in here? <laughs> Ken and Alice, were you here at creation? You didn't see it? <laughs> right? right? I, so we weren't there. Nobody can see it, but our faith is in, in God our confidence that what he says is true. It's written in here, right? And it's written in Genesis. So we believe God created with a word because he says it, but we, we didn't see it. And so faith is confidence in a yet-to-be-realized hope that bridges the gap between what we know and what we cannot see. That is faith. Again, the way people often use faith is more like blind faith, right? Or, or a wish. I hope something happens. I met with an older believer many years ago. I remember sitting with her. And I said, well, you know, why do you follow Jesus? Why do you believe? I just believe. I've always believed. I'm like, yeah, but why? Why this and not Islam or whatever? Like, I don't know. I just believe. And I struggled with that. And like, I mean, if your hope is in Christ, that's good. But you should maybe dig into why a, a little bit and some reason. And I'd say with those of us with kids at home, now is the time for them to doubt. Like kids, it's okay to doubt and question if you pursue truth, because there is a really good reason to believe in God. And I forgot to do it first service. If you're one of those that struggle with the reason, like, can I believe the Bible and God? These, these two books right here are awesome, right? Case for Faith, Case for Christ. Get these, read them. Uh, they're here. You can get them here or you can take a picture. Um, but those just kind of lay out the reasonableness, the proof that really what, what's here is true. And after first service, somebody came up and said, actually, they found Jericho, um, and it is as described in the Bible. I'm like, I didn't know that. Um, so, again, there's proof. But then it bridges the gap between what we, we can't see, right? We can't see Jesus' return. It hasn't happened yet. We can't see creation. We weren't there. And so faith bridges that gap between what we, we know, right, and what we can't see yet. But it's not blind, right? We can think of lots of things that are blind faith. Driving here from Colorado a few years ago and I, I passed through, I think it was Elko, and I'm running out of gas. Um, and I'm like, oh, I really should turn around and get gas here, but nah, I can make, I'll have faith I can make it to the next town. I ran out of gas, right? That's not, that faith isn't based on anything true, or, or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to date this non-believer and have faith that it's going to work out. Now, that's a wish, and it's a dumb one, because it goes against what God's Word says, right? I can't afford this car or this house, but I'm going to buy it anyway, right, and have this giant bill I can't pay, and I have faith God will provide. Again, that's dumb. 
and scripture's clear of, against debt. And so that's not even, that's not just dumb, that's going against what God would say. So again, that's not faith. So faith, uh, Paul said this last week, right, it's not a hope or, or a wish, um, and we cannot believe things into being, right? We cannot believe things into being, and that's how people use faith a lot. If I have enough faith, I will create something. That's not biblical faith. It's really not. True faith is based on what we know and what the best evidence would support. It's not blind or ignorant. It's not blind or ignorant. So, again, the faith that we want to talk about, though, is the faith that honors God. What faith is that? Hebrews eleven six 6. It says, and without faith it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. If you have not memorized this verse, memorize it. If you're one of those that likes to write, on your, write this verse on your arm, that's fine. Right? Memorize this verse. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And there's two pieces to this, right? One, we believe that he exists, which might not be the best translation, exists. Because this means more than just that there is a God. This means he is the God, the only God. This is right belief in the God of the Bible. Uh, the Yahweh of the Old Testament revealed in Jesus. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Trinity. That's what this is talking about. The one true God, not just any God, right? And specifically about this God, we saw he's the God of creation. We see that in, in Hebrews eleven three, right? He is the God in Genesis. So again, it starts in Gen If you throw out Genesis, you, you can't have the New Testament, right? And so you have to believe even that stuff. So he is the God of the Bible and so that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So this is the idea of believing all that he has said. So we believe in him, his character, and in his words. The faith that glorifies God is a secure hope in God's person and a confidence that all he tells us is true and his promises are trustworthy. Right? His promises are trustworthy. Our faith is in him and he rewards. Right? Faith honors God and God honors faith. So that second part is the one I want to dig into real quick. Belief that God rewards those who seek him. Right, this reward. What this means is that we trust God about anything he has chosen to speak on. And that that obedience will receive a reward. Again, we don't know what those rewards are fully. In the end, we do know, and that's kind of the big thrust of this, eternal salvation. Right, the new heaven and the new earth. New, like that is the ultimate reward that is secure and guaranteed. We don't even have to worry about that one. If our faith is in Christ, we have that reward. And that's the main thing we're looking at, right? But we must seek God and seek to understand him, right? That's why we study the Bible. We want to understand his character and his word so we know what we can place our faith in. And again, faith originates in the heart. But then it always leads to an action. Uh, do you realize that you can do some really good godly things without faith and it's worthless? You could sell all you have and give everything away, and it could be worthless if it didn't originate in a heart of faith. I think that's helpful, right? God wants our heart, and then we respond. Faith is a verb, always leads to action, or it's not faith. If it doesn't lead to action, it's not faith. Now, let's go back to Rahab. Think of this story. So Rahab, we know she pleased God because she's in the hall of faith. And how do, you, how do you please God, right, 
by believing the right things about God. What did she believe about God? If you look in Joshua 2, 8 through 11, she refers to God. And what does she call him? Yahweh. Anytime in the Old Testament you see Lord in all caps, that is God's personal name, Yahweh. That is the name that God gave to Moses when Moses was sent uh, to Israel to set them free. And Moses said to God, who should I say sent me? He says, Yahweh, which means I am. Tell them I am sent you. Rahab knows God's personal name. There were other words she could have used. Elohim, uh, right? El, El Shaddai. I mean, there's other, that's God's personal name too. But there's other words for even generic God. She doesn't use those. She says, Yahweh. I believe in the one true God. And elsewhere, if you see there, I think it's verse 10, she says, he is the God of heaven and of earth below. She believes in the right God. This is important. She is not an Israelite. She lives in Jericho. She is rejecting the paganism and polytheism of her city and, and her nation. She is choosing to reject all that and submit herself to the one true God. So she knows who she's talking about, right? Again, the, the one true God. Rahab understood what God was going to do also. I think this part's interesting. She, she tells him, right, I know that God, Yahweh, I know he is giving all this land to the Israelites. How did she know that? Well, word had spread, right? I, I mean, they, the rumors had been going on for 40 years that the Israelites left Egypt and God split the Red Sea, right? Those Israelites walked across the sea. And then when the Egyptians did it, it came in. We've been getting their helmets off the shores for years, right? I mean, these stories were told. And then right before this, uh, Israel had crossed the Jordan. Now, this time of year, the Jordan was swelled. It was, it was wide. And God had stopped the water upstream, so they walked across on dry land, right? The people in Jericho, there were like some kids out that saw that happen and ran back. You guys got to see, what, uh, this is bad. Right? They heard the stories of other kings they had fought. I mean, so the stories were told. But somewhere along the lines, also the word was spread in. God is giving this land to Israel. This is their, she believed it. This is a big deal. Rahab did not argue with God about his plans, but submitted herself to them. That's faith. She didn't argue with God. When is faith needed? When the enemy's at the gates. When the chips are down. When, when that, the cancer is diagnosed. When the, the kid is going, what, go down the list. When things are hard, that's when we need faith. Or, or next week, when God wants us to do something great, like to try something and get risky, that also takes faith. That's more next week, right? But, but faith is when things are tough. We don't need, if it's easy, we don't need faith, right? If it's not going to cost, it, we don't need faith. But here, again, Rahab doesn't argue with God. Don't we often Come to God with our list, right? So, so God is more a genie to fulfill what I want. So faith is, I'm going to accomplish these things, and I'm going to trust God to help me. That's often how we do it. I, I wrote my list this morning. Like, if I was going to bring my list to God, right? All right, God. So I'm going to follow you, and I'm going to trust that you're going to feed me. I really like food. Um, that you're going to feed me well. I'm going to trust you that our cars are going to keep running, right, uh, you know, maybe a four-wheel drive in the snow like this. Um, I'm going to trust you to, to keep me healthy. I, I couldn't share this the first um, service because it's being recorded, but a friend out of town texted me, you know, I'm trying to encourage them to go back to church. Um, I said, are you, you know, are you plugging back in? He's like, yeah, but it's really hard because we're having health, we're both having health issues, which is making us angry. And I'm like, 
So, so your list is, God, I will plug it as long as you keep us healthy. But if I have health things, now I'm mad at you, God, because I, I need to be healthy, right? So we bring our, our list. Uh, my retirement. You know, I want you to do these things. Well, I need to make enough money to build my retirement. So, I, you know, I'm going to do this. As long as, God, that's part of it, then we're in. Or, or how about this one, parents? I want my kids to be safe and healthy. As long as my kids are safe, th then we'll do it. Uh, oh, do this? Oh, that's risky. Ooh, that might put my kids in, in danger or whatever. I'm not going to do that, right? So we bring our list to God. Oh, the last one is as long as Callie, my wife, treats me right. As, as long as she treats me fair, right, I'll, my faith is, but, but she needs to treat me the way I think she should treat me. But we do that. We, we come to God with our list. That's not faith. Faith is I put my list out and I come to God and go, God, what's your list? That's faith. And God says, here. Like, this is what I want. This is my heart. This is my goal. And now, God, I trust you with that. And I trust that you reward. So this is going to be good for me in the end. All things, Romans tells us, work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Again, that's faith, not, not God helping me accomplish the things I want. And that's how we use it. Let, be honest, right? Look at the way you've thought about it in your own mind. Sometimes that's the way we think. That's not faith. Faith is, God, your agenda is now my agenda, and I want to please you What's that look like, God? Let's do that. That's faith. Now, here's the thing, though. Uh, faith is not an emotion. It's a decision. This should have been one of our notes, right? Uh, we treat faith like a feeling. It's not. Faith is a decision, not an emotion. Now, Rahab here, uh, she placed her faith, right, in this one true God. How did God reward her faith. Hebrews 11.6, right? He is a rewarder. How did he reward? Well, for one, she and her family lived. You know the story here of, of Jericho, right? That they marched around and the walls crumbled because Jericho was this great wall. Maybe you saw Veggie Tales, right? Uh, great, yeah. Uh, I mean, we could sing that song. I think it's Peas on the Wall, right? Silly little peas. Anyway, I'll sing that for you later if you want to hang out afterwards. Um, you'd think that walking around would bring this wall to its knees. Anyway, that, that's it. But that's what happened. So, but Rahab, where did Rahab live? In the wall. We know that because in the story, the spies are with her. She lets them down in a basket out of the window on the exterior wall. She lived in the wall and the spies said, go into your house and bring all your family with you and stay there. They were in their house when the walls fell, right? That seems weird. I mean, I'm trying to picture this. Like, what did that look like? The whole wall crumbled except for this one section that had her in it? Yeah, right? So that's faith. She's here and everything crumbled. And they're looking out the window like everything's falling. No, we stay here. That's faith. So they were rewarded by that faith, by surviving. And then they were brought into Israel. And, and it says, they've been with us till today. They were converted. They, they brought in, she's in the hall of faith, meaning she has eternal salvation. These are great rewards, but guess, maybe you don't know this, Rahab is in Jesus' lineage. So Rahab ended up being Jesus' great, 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 great grandma, whatever that is. That's a great reward, right, that, that she was honored. She was not an Israelite. She was brought in and ended up being in Jesus' the Messiah's lineage. Wow. God rewards. So the faith, though, that honors God allows for the reward to come later eternally and in God's timing. Look back at chapter 11, verse 10. It says, if I can find it, for he, and this is talking about Abraham, 
It says, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. And down to verse 16. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he has prepared for them a city. And it's repeated several other times in chapter 11. That these people put their faith in God looking forward really to the eternal reward. And so our faith isn't, a lot of times we put a deadline, don't we? Like, God, I trust you, but here's a, right, a time, I'm going to put a timeline on it. Now the reward can come later and we trust all the way to the end. What's the context of all of this? Uh, it's Hebrews 10, 39. It says, but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. That's the context, right? Endure till the end. Don't put a timeline on God. Trust him. Trust him. He will reward eternally, right? Faith honors God, and God honors faith. This life might not work out the way we have planned or the way we want. Are we okay with that? Again, we, def we let him define those terms. So how can we exercise this faith that pleases God in our lives today? How can we exercise it? Uh, well, faith is that we trust God and his character, right, and in him. So when the chips are down, when things are tough, we can please God in that by trusting him. Uh, example that comes to mind for me was when Lydia fell off something again and, and hit her head when she was little and going to the hospital. Of course, Callie calls and says, things are not good. We're going to the hospital. And I'm driving there and I'm like praying the whole way. And I had faith. But the faith wasn't that God would heal her, that it would be okay. The faith was that God was in control. So in our, in our group this week, um, you know, I'm blessed to, to have a, a great group. And in it, I, I asked at the end, I'm like, okay, so we have two more weeks on faith. Like, what questions are people going to be asking? What would you ask about faith? And one that came up from several was, why do bad things happen? Right? Uh, and, and there are some specific things even in, in life right now. Like, why do bad things happen? Why does that mom die with young children? Why does that kid die right before things are going to, I mean, why do bad things happen? Um, and the person who asked the question had the biblical answer. Like, I know, like, sin entered in the fall. Right? In Genesis, God made good. Sin brought in the curse. And so there's evil in the world. And there's, like, so that's the cause. And, and that is, like, if we're going to have an intellectual answer, that is the answer. That God loves us and he's given free will. Right? He doesn't control us. We're not robots. And so bad things are going to happen. But how do you deal with that today when that thing happens? Well, it boils down to do you have faith in who God is, his, right, his character. Do you trust him? And so this, this bad situation, I don't know. I, honestly, a lot of the answer is going to be, I don't know, but I trust God is good, right? He's proven himself good, scriptures. And again, if you don't know that, read some of these books, right, and get in, like, God is good, we can trust him. And so this bad thing happens, and we can say, I don't get it, but I do trust God because he is good. And that's when hope, peace, even joy come in that really hard thing, that God is good and we can trust him. That's faith. But then how about decisions that we have to make? So the other part of faith is moving forward. You know, and Paul shared a good story last week of, of them moving here, right? It took faith for them to quit their job, to move here. And, and if I wrote down sitting there, I'm like, Jennifer, right, his wife. I'm like, I think she had to have more faith. And we talked about that later. He's like, actually, she did. It was her faith that helped lead them along. But here's the thing about that. If faith is based on who God is and his word, where in here does it say 
Ingrams in 2017 need to move to Carson City. Right? It, that, that's not in here. And so, you know, I think a good example is, is for us when we were led to, to plant Common Ground Church, this church. God didn't appear to me. Right? right? I mean, there, I didn't have a vision. You need to go boo. And that's not in the Bible either. So how can, if this is what faith is, how could this be faith? Well, what it boils down to is, do we know God? So we know God's word. And for us, it was the Great Commission. Go make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father. The Son. So I know that God's plan is for his kingdom to spread. And I know his plan is to do it through the church, through his people. As much as I might argue with God about that, by the wounds caused by church, uh, by pastors, those things, his plan is to use the church. And so it's like, oh, okay, he wants to do this, and he wants to do it through his people together. And then looking at, against scripture at the idea of be a good steward with all that I have given you, right, and gifting and those things. It's like, okay, the skills and things that I have lead toward this. And then affirmation from other believers, like this, this city needs that kind of church, kind of boils down, okay, this is in line with God's character, the things he wants to achieve. And then there's the part of, okay, but what about my heart? So I'm thinking, think about this for your decisions that you have. What about my heart? And our heart really was, was good. Our heart was for God's glory to please him. Okay, if that's the case. And then it boiled down to the day where Callie's like, if we don't plant a church, we're disobedient. It's like, great. <laughs> right? Then, then we have to. Then we take these steps in faith. I, I quit my job, not having any clue how we're going to pay the bills. We st- but the faith, listen, was not that things would succeed. The ho- I mean, the hope, the wish, <laughs> let's use that. Right. The wish was that things would go well and we would see God do great things. But the hope was that it would please God. And if all those things were right, then it did please God, whether it succeeded or not. Do you understand what that means? So we can take these steps in faith, if hoping they will please God, not based on outcome, not based on success. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he'll make your path straight. Right? So we trust him. We take those steps, but it's not based on success. It's based on pleasing him in line with his word and his character. I hope that helps. Um, Here's the last kind of point, though. Faith costs. Faith is risky. We're going to get into this a little bit more next week. But faith costs. Are you willing to go his way no matter what? Look at the last couple verses of chapter 11, verses uh, 35 to 38. It says, women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Faith leads the Jesus follower to suffer and even die well for his glory. Right? I mean, there's where the rubber meets the road, right? He defines it, and we trust him in his timing, which might lead us to not earthly success. But guess what? If it pleases God, that's success. That's the only thing we should care about. Does it please God? Not what's the result going to be necessarily, but we trust God with it. That's faith. Faith gives up control. 
Faith gives up control, and then we follow God on his terms. Again, we're going to get into this more next week. It's going to get really practical, uh, but let's pray. God, we love you. Um, I thank you that your word has enough, um, and this world has enough, that we can reasonably believe in you, uh, that your, your word is, is reasonable, but yet we can't see everything. That's why we need faith. We can't see creation. Uh, we can't see your return. We can't see the results in our own lives and our kids' lives, and so we need faith. But God, we trust you. So I thank you that you are, you are able to hold our faith. God, I, I thank you that your promises are true. Our hope is secure. God, we love you, and we trust you, and we look forward to what you will do. In your name, amen. So as we uh, continue to worship, we have communion today. Uh, communion is our time to remember Jesus' death and his resurrection, looking forward to his return. So during this time, maybe but before you take it, one, examine your heart for sin, right? Do you have unconfessed sin? If you do, confess it, repent, and then feel free to take. This is for believers only. Uh, if there's a relationship that maybe needs to be reconciled with a believer, uh, maybe do that right now and then take, or commit to do it and then take. But then based on, on this passage that we looked at, a couple next steps for you, consider, do you truly trust who God is and all, he says in his word. This is in your, your bulletin there. But all. Or are there pieces, I trust you, but not this part. I believe, but not this part. Right? Is there, is there anything you're leaving out? Or what is your limit to trusting God? How far will you go, but no farther? Pray and ask God to both reveal that to you and then to strengthen your faith in that area. Let's worship. The rain may come, the wind may blow, it's you I hold to, through it all. I trust the promise of steadfast love, that you are with me, that you are God. Yes, you are with me. Yes, you are God. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. On Christ the solid rock I stand. Now what can shake me or take me down? For with my Savior 
I'm safe and sound. No power of evil, no flood of doubt could ever silence.